This is Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger, discussing what it really takes to run a thriving creative business. I'm excited because this is uh, a continuation of this topic we got into yesterday in the weekly briefing, and I think people got kind of excited about it. Um, do you want to give the the quick recap and so we can p- kind of pick it up where we left off? Yeah, specifically where you're talking about those items that your clients don't tell you, right? So there are many things when you're engaged with the client that they are also processing, and they're not going to reveal all of the information to you. Uh, specifically, they're not going to uh, <clears throat> reveal to you homework that you should have done ahead of time. But even the politics or financial uh, limitations that they might be having, that's not part of a brief and therefore not revealed to you. But it does have a great impact on the work you're doing with them, doesn't it? Like that's part of the decision making process that they have to go through. Yeah. And you also made the point uh, they're also not going to tell you why they work with other vendors or agencies instead of you, which I thought was actually a really interesting observation. And of course, we explored what do you do about that? And I think the big idea was if you can, first of all, make sure you're positioning yourself as an expert. That's that's a given, perhaps, especially that's just rev thinking in general. <laughs> but if you can then lead with empathy, how can you empathize and ask better questions, lots of why questions that ultimately help you discern those those items you were just mentioning. And to be clear, we want don't want people to be annoying. It's not just ask why all the time, but right. to discern why why question, to be able to ask a question without asking a direct question, or even again to do your own homework. So you might understand a why and never have to have a conversation is a big part of maturing in a business ownership and pitching process. But there is plenty of opportunity to also listen what they actually are saying, and then make some discernment or have some understanding of what's going on without having to to dive into deep or express the obvious. I'm thinking of the three-year-old, right? That when my daughter was that age, and yeah, everything was why, 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 why. It's it's not it's not. Please that. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. I guarantee you will lose the pitch if you begin that process. Well, as as you and I started to process, where do we go from here? I thought it was it would be a fun idea for us to share these three anecdotes really as an illustration of this I don't know I don't I don't know if I call it a technique or a concept but this whole thought of diving deeper through a why conversation so I'm I'm just excited to give three quick examples here in our rev thoughts format and as you talk like when for me the first example I have and where this thinking comes from or this um the core of this um, understanding comes from comes from my own personal experience. Back when I was producing, I was working for a very large design company, very well known and doing great work. And we were getting um, a lot of inbound sales of people wanting to engage us to do unique projects, um, kind of think outside the box projects. But specifically, everything that we were asked for was on the screen. So no matter what situation we're in our car show or office building or a football stadium, it was, yeah, but can you can you design what's on the screen? The screen is not beyond the screen is not um, what we're asking right. for. The, sc- the screen is the thing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but then there was one day where a conversation was taking place. And um, as the business owner and um, the client were talking and 
you know, the exploration of the idea of wanting to work together and, you know, design us things that fit on the screen. Um, in this case, the business owner asked specifically or told them specifically, no, I think you misunderstand what we do. We don't design what's on the screen. We are design driven. We, we understand the overall concept and we design, we work with the architect to, to, to make the design. We work with your tech company to make the design. And, um, Although there was a reset with the brand basically saying, well, we didn't realize that. Can you give us a better understanding? <clears throat> when uh, when he hung up the phone and called us in the office, it was more like, hey, you won't believe the conversation I just have. And now we have to find an architect and we have to find a technology company and we have to figure out how to design beyond the screen. But to step up to who we really were and not just be limited was really awesome. And I know that because we knew confidently who we were, we could easily do that. And we did, we called MIT, we called a large architecture firm, and we started developing technology, designing a space and making it all cohesive, as well as of course, make the animation on the screen and the overall presentation. Yeah, you said a really interesting line in there when you said, we knew we could step up to who we really are. That's a really big idea there because some people would lack the confidence that you know some owners would maybe uh, hesitate in that moment. But in your story, you threw it out there. And I'm just going to guess whatever engagement that was potentially about to come in through an inbound sale was probably, I don't know, one tenth or, or one one hundredth of what the engagement ultimately ended up being. It's probably one tenth. But yeah, it definitely was a multiplier than the first hey, make us some animation that fits on a screen, even yeah. though it might have been a 20 minute presentation which is a big, big project. It was got a lot bigger when the cranes that we were hiring in Chicago were lifting up the new piece of technology, the table to crane it into a, the top floor of a skyscraper. Um, you know, like that, that's a very different approach than, you know, make us some pretty animations on the screen. You're also reminding me of this concept that we've talked about, you know, we call it overcoming ephemeralization or the value pyramid, right? Where someone called and was asking for commodities or maybe services. And you said, no, we're the kind of company that merges services into strategies and into vision. If that's interesting to you, right, let's talk. And of course, the right, the right brand, the right opportunity, the right moment. And it's like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. So specifically in that case, I feel that we all understood how to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. We weren't limiting ourselves, so we got out of our own way, right? Um, but also, we didn't just dream bigger. We could also deliver. So there was an understanding that we had a, a process and a method that can get the product out the door all the time. And therefore, when we made a bigger promise, had a bigger understanding, we knew with confidence we would get it done, and the client knew so as well. So they gave us that big contract and we did it. Um, so I, I think a lot of us know those moments that we have, even if they're small, when we stepped into something that was greater and it worked, um, or there's a multiplier of a project by just opening our mouths and expressing what we were actually worth and then getting, getting that bigger piece. Um, those are the moments we're looking for when we discern why the client's doing what they're doing or willing to get into that conversation. There's a, there's a greater opportunity for you. So I've got two, I've got two anecdotes and I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Um, you're going to love both of them, but especially the second one, because this is, it's like an absolute illumination of what we talk about in the producer masterclass. Uh, so this is fun, right? First story is uh, an owner I'm working with who uh, went through Jumpstart in this, in this curriculum. There's this one point where we teach this idea of having a minimum engagement. 
meaning this is the lowest number that we can be engaged, uh, lowest price, right? And that being something that you put out early in the sales conversation with, especially with a new client. And I, I teach this principle not so much as people think that it's, it's a move to be greedy, and it's not. But the story illustrates it. So this owner was telling me, hey, after learning that concept, I decided to embrace it. And it's been really effective. And I said, oh, that's great. What did you set your minimum engagement at? 15,000, 20,000? Because that's what I did back in, in my day. And he said, no, 80. <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I, I really was kind of like, uh, it, it kind of took my breath away. Like, wait a minute, be careful. What did you, you can't, <laughs> like, like, don't, don't take Who my told advice. You to do that. Don't right. <laughs> Don't take my advice and go nuts. And and I, he said, no, it's incredible. You don't, you don't understand. It's been such a game changer because it just changes the conversation. Okay. So like you said, Tim, step up to who we really are. He's doing that in the very first conversation. Like we're this kind of company. We solve these kinds of problems. We have a $80,000 minimum engagement. If that's not the size of problem that you're looking to solve, I'm happy to steer you in some good directions. But if you are, let's talk. Holy cow, what an amazing qualifier, right? I mean, you're talking about the world in a very different scale. <clears throat> then can I execute one item that fits along a chain of other items that someone else is going to fit in at the very end? So a tag or a logo or a bottom something. I mean, anything that starts with a bottom, you should avoid it probably. Mm -hmm. But like that opportunity that the world is bigger and that there is an abundance of need and you're willing to jump into that need instead of just the execution is uh, is where your opportunity in your mind starts to grow. So back to our main point here, think of this why conversation that we're, we're advocating. If a client says, whoa, $80,000, like their next question is going to be something like, I don't know that I have that kind of a budget, but what kind of problems are you solving at that level? Right. And now that now my the owner gets to have that conversation called, oh, here's what we do. Here's why it's worth that. Here's why it would be that valuable to you. Is that interesting? And of course, in his, his, in his experience, he's finding that more often than not, those clients go find that money because they are looking for that to make that kind of investment to get that kind of return and so forth. Definitely inspiring some curiosity, isn't it? With the client, <laughs> for like, sure. What do you do, but here's a here's a great thing too, and I think a lot of us know this fear. We're afraid to say that because we know we immediately disqualified ourselves from a certain conversation. But let's flip that and say, no, what you've done is disqualified that client from calling you and giving you lower end product. So you don't want though. If you're looking for eighty thousand dollar minimum engagement, you're you don't care when that is uh, you're unqualified or they're unqualified for that project. And there is certainly some discernment and nuance to how it goes because it's not a a hard and fast rule. You get to make exceptions, so there is some some play uh, with that. But starting with that as your as your standard is is an incredible uh, insight on this owner's part. So here's my second story. This is the one you're going to really really like, Tim. <laughs> is uh, another owner, and this I think this was yesterday or maybe the day no, it was the day before yesterday. Um, this owner I'm helping. Uh, called me and said, hey, we have this opportunity that a client wants to, to do a repeat piece of business with us. And the good news is they have $120,000 to do this thing. And I said, great, right? What's the problem? He said, we can't do the project for 120. 
And I said, what do you mean? Well, it's, it's like a, a second version of this thing, but because of the parameters they threw at us and the creative the solution that we've come up with, we just can't get it done for that budget. Should I go back and tell them we need more money? And you would think Joel's answer would be yes, but no, no, no. I said, no, that would be very impolite. When someone says, here's 120, your job is thank you and then come up with creative that fits, right? Tim, this is the, this, right. is, this is why we don't bid or create proposals based off of inputs called, I, we added up all the hours and all the costs and therefore our price is, no, you get all the money and then you reverse engineer Right, you do your splits. You rever reverse engineer a solution that fits that. That's, that that's exactly right. Okay, so my client says, "Okay, well then, what what do I do?" And I said, "Dude, I'm, you're killing me." I'm like, "You know this." I'm like, "You have to empathize. Put yourself in the shoes of your client and say, if I had hundred and twenty thousand dollars, what would I do? What would actually solve the problem? Forget about all the parameters they've given you." Forget about it, right? The, don't, don't worry about their plan. Just solve the real problem. He said, okay, that's pretty interesting. I think, they, I think they would have that conversation. So he texts me today and says, the budget we're now discussing is 400K. <laughs> Four, that's almost 400%. Yeah, 300 and wow. <clears throat> Wait, so the way that worked was the client gave your the person you're talking to, the business owner, um, certain parameters that they're going to work with then. Hey, we're trying to accomplish this. And with the business owner working alongside that client understood the why, then their, their exploration of the concept and the execution grew, it sounded like. Beyond just say, yes, we'll take it robotically, we'll press the buttons for you and deliver the end product. When you ask their why question, they're able to say, well, first of all, here's what $120,000 would accomplish, and this would be successful and good and accomplish your goal. But if you actually want to explore new ideas, there's a greater opportunity and possibly a larger ROI. Let's increase the budget. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, and of course, his, he's flipping out because we went from this, oh my God, I can't, I can't accept this project that this client is just happy to award to me because right? We're already over budget. We're already out of scope or whatever nonsense he had. He was telling himself a, a silly story. And, I, and what's interesting is it all comes back to empathy. Put yourself in the place of the person you're trying to serve, really, really understand the problem and then help them see what's possible, right? This is the enormous uh, power of the creative entrepreneur is you have the power to help your clients go to places they didn't know they could go. And they're not asking you to press buttons and fulfill, fulfill parameters. That's what it might look like. But when you say, hey, can we maybe talk about something deeper, more relevant, more meaningful, and, and make sure that we're truly solving your problem, all things become possible. <laughs> so the reason why empathy works, right, is that not only are you listening but you also can be heard, right? And that's where that combination of real work or real connection to the problem and the solution comes about. Um, we often talk about a listening tour instead of a talking tour and the thought of how do I build empathy, understand empathy within a relationship. And it's a professional relationship. It's just the person gives you projects and you execute them. So we don't need to dive in deep to all personal elements in someone's life. 
but really to understand what their job is, how that job works and how they keep score personally is a really big part of getting the project done and making a win. And if you are a creative business owner and you're in this field of delivering things that are subjective in nature, you have a great opportunity to listen and explore a lot of execution, a lot of different ideas that will accomplish that same goal. Great. Yep. Brilliant way to get, get the project done and done right. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.